Welcome to Thrivers, impact-driven leadership for the next normal. I am your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact. And if you're listening to this, you're probably someone who doesn't just want to do nice things in the world, but you actually want to create positive change in people's lives and not burn out while doing it. Well, how do you do that? Well, our mission here is to redefine what normal is for the workplace, for workplace leadership, to be about co-creating impact from the inside out. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change. And we want to connect you with impact-driven leaders and ideas so that you can learn to thrive in today's landscape. And so I'm super joyed to have a dear friend of mine on, and you are going to introduce our other guest here in just a minute, but let me introduce you. Um, a friend of mine that I've met in a wonderful community that we are both a part of called Exchange. You've heard us talk about that uh, community in this podcast many times because we use a lot of the exchange approach. Uh, but I am so excited to have Joey Goon, who is the president of Utopia Experience, on this podcast today. Because Joey, you know, we've done a little bit of work uh, together too. You've brought me into different experiences. We've had lots of conversations, and um, I'll let you talk a little bit about what Utopia does. But before we do that, I just want to share how much I appreciate the deep level of heart that you bring into the work that you do around events. Um, but even more deeply around helping to really strengthen those who are in some of the toughest leadership conditions in our country. That's the reality of nonprofit leadership is they're in some of the toughest leadership conditions in our country. And you consistently are finding and innovating on ways in which to help undergird their ability to tell their story, to raise money legitimately, uh, and in ways that are so connective and building of the mission. And I just Every time I'm around you, I, I feel like I'm positively infected with charisma and joy for this type of work. Uh, and so just to finally have you on the podcast, Joey, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. So <laughs> Joey, great to be here with you, my friend. And uh, tell us a little bit about, more about Utopia Experience and also who is our, our other guest here as well. So let us know. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the incredible introduction. It is great to be here sharing space with you too, uh, Tucker. We do go way back. Uh, we actually kind of stumbled by accident or uh, necessity into the nonprofit <laughs> world uh, in 2020 when the world stopped. And predating that, I was actually a guest at um, an event that our a mutual friend Hal Elrod was producing and John Berghoff was facilitating. Oh, that's and awesome. At, during that event, there was an opportunity where they played a fund a need video. And we as a collective group of 100 prospective donors wrote a letter to the little girl that was on the fund a need video. And we laughed and we cried. And I felt feelings that I hadn't felt before mm. being a part of a donor community like that. And I woke up the next day and said, why is my company not doing more of that? Wow. So that was in 2017. And then in 2020, because of the series of events that happened in the world, it gave us this perfect segue for us to get much more involved in the nonprofit space and in that community that I so deeply wanted to be a part of. And uh, Megan and her organization, uh, she actually worked for a WISH organization. Uh, you have 14 years of nonprofit background and experience, and they actually became a client of ours. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've just been sort of vicariously you know, I know we've kind of been a part of one another's journeys from afar, from a distance, and we ended up reconnecting in 2023 and the timing was right. And um, it just made sense for you to, you know, to kind of come on board, given your your depth of background and wisdom, because I think that our nonprofit um, 
clients, they could use that support and that help and that new, that diversity of perspective that you bring from the lens of empathy, given that you know their struggles, you know those pain points that Tucker just alluded to. And now you're here as a compassionate soul to really be able to to help empathize with them and to make to help really, you know, further their impact here as a client of Utopia. Yeah, well, and I'm so excited to be a part of the Utopia team first. I mean, who wouldn't want to work for someone in a company that has the name Utopia in it, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and then experience after that. I mean, you just can't help but be happy. And so, but like Joey said, um, have followed his career path um, from like 2016, 2017, and just how much this company has grown and truly has that heart and soul that it's we're much more than um, event planning, event producers. we want to see every single one of our our customers and and missions uh, really have an impactful event, but grow their um, grow their revenue, grow their relationships, their stewardship. It's more than just a transactional relationship, and that's what um, really brought me because it's more than um, just consulting. It's you know we're we're really helping grow and, and do some great things here. So really excited to be part of the team. Thank you, Joey, for that introduction. That's awesome. <laughs> You have, as Joey was alluding to, you've got some deep trenches of work uh, or been in the deep trenches of work yes. <laughs> in events and fundraising in nonprofits yeah. for, for many years and have raised, how much have you, you know, um, it's obviously, I mean, this fundraising is a team sport, but under your purview and you being a part of teams, how much have y'all raised yeah, I mean, up to some points about 30 to 40 million under my my portfolio umbrella nationwide. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, again, just when that's from a national perspective, but then I, you know, that's where I'm really excited to have um, that one on one connection with our with our customers, because um, as a boots on the ground fundraiser and event planner, you know, we really want to take that. Um, that load off of them. You can have an amazing event, but if, if the fundraisers and the nonprofits aren't doing what they should, which is that stewardship, that relationship building, fundraising, and you know where we can take that load of that event planning and creativity and, and help really, you know, just be a partner. Um, that's that's where I'm excited. Um, you know, and and also how again, what's that next new normal like you're talking about? We're here, yeah. and um, what what are those next events? What what is new? What is it that Gen Z, millennial? Um, baby boomer, boomers, what what are we looking for now um, that's going to drive um, those people to come back year over year and make those events different and meaningful and purposeful? Um, and so that's where I think that lens of having that nonprofit experience and event experience and now coming over on this side is just going to be great. Um, it's just really a true testament to Joey and, and his team that they're making that investment and, and care about their their um, all their accounts and customers enough to bring on more of a consultant um, like myself to this team to, yeah. to give that expert lens. So that's great. again, so excited to be here and um, excited to collaborate on all the good things with you guys today too. It's well, be fun. Wanna, and with that, <laughs> Megan, I'd love to dive into our topic, which is, yeah. um, and you were starting to allude to this, which is there are a lot of events happening across the country that nonprofits put together. I don't have an exact percentage because I don't know if there's data, but maybe you have data, but how many of them suck? I went to an event last year and uh, to a fundraising event for a local nonprofit here in Denver, which is where I live. And it was so horrible to me. I, I It was total sit and get. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt guilted into things. I, I, I mean, I, I do a lot of work around conscious leadership, which means being able to pause, notice, when I'm in reactivity and man, did this send me into some reactivity? I was like, 
awkward. It was angry. I didn't get to talk to really anybody around my table outside of the awkwardness at, at the dinner time. I mean, it was, there was so much about it that I, I left early because I was so frustrated at the whole experience. And this is a great nonprofit. Like I know this nonprofit, they do wonderful work. And the experience of their event was so, so not next normal, if you will. And so I want to, I want to dig into this topic around storytelling meeting events for the next normal, mm-hmm. because a lot of us do it. I mean, I can't tell you how many uh, people and organizations, in fact, we just were on a call earlier today with a community foundation, one that we're working with in New York. And uh, we've been doing these framings around how to help people say no to things because they're doing too much. And that's typically mm. the case. They're doing too much. And uh, we usually help them go through a frame and a process of of what is high impact and low effort. And most of the time, or what is it's impact to effort matrix. And so usually things that are low impact and high effort are, are the hell no's basically. It's like big X, don't do that. High, high effort, low impact. And so many times things like golf tournaments or fundraising events go in that category. <laughs> and it just happened literally earlier today before this call, how serendipitous of this. And so I want to dig into this. Like, first of all, before we get into what is the next normal, what are these pains and issues that these nonprofit leaders are experiencing regarding their, their events and story, being able to effectively storytell and in, in those? Um, gosh, so many things we can just pick <laughs> off of each begin? other. Yeah. Um, I'll let you take the lead on. <laughs> so I would, I would say it's the wearing multiple hats. Mm-hmm. It is not enough resources, not enough time and board expectations are unrealistic. And I think that uh, I'm a board member myself and I sit on a couple of different boards and I am uh, on an in- incoming board elect for an organization. And I think that we all have the best intentions as board members, but the reality is, is when I leave the board, I'm running my own company. And so there's an expectation there that the executive director, the CEO of that organization is going to, it's like, oh my God, we have all of these incredible ideas that we want to help you implement. And you go execute them now, Mr. or Mrs. Executive Director. And we go back to our day jobs and we'll see you next quarter. Yeah. And so I think, enjoy, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> we have the best intentions. Our hearts are in the right place, but we don't have the capacity to help you execute them because we have to turn our attention to the companies that we run or our day jobs. So that's number one. And then if we zoom the problem out a little bit further and make it more specific to pain points in our specific industry, I think that the overwhelming majority of our conversations, um, are around like KPIs or metrics or setting expectations where perhaps we're just measuring the wrong things. And for an example, if I went and we just had this conversation not 15 minutes ago, Mm -hmm. if I went to my, you know, dearest friends that are executive directors and nonprofits and I, and I asked them, why are we planning this event? What are your, what are your key objectives? Help us understand your goals. I'd say 10 out of 10 of them would say to raise more money. Maybe nine. That logical, logical answer. Yeah. And so when we delve into the goals, though, for sponsors and stakeholders and board members and donors and recipients, many respond with uncertainty, admitting that they don't have a clear picture what those stakeholders goals are for the event. And really thinking bigger picture, right? Yeah. Instead of just raising money that night of what's this life cycle of the donor? Like there's so many people that are in the room for the first time or showing up to an event or getting to know your mission for the first time. What are you doing with them? Um, and then where can we, again, there's such an emphasis lately from, on major gifts and planned giving. 
Um, and it's, I feel like there's that push and pull between events and major gifts right now. And, you know, I will, I will sit at the stake on this one. You, in order to build that pipeline and for major gifts and to get, you know, that's a multiple year situation for, for many donors. Um, and so how are we getting people into our pipeline? How are we, how are they getting invested in the mission? If we can get them into that room, into the mission to touch it, see it, feel it. Um, again, build a community where they feel safe. It sounded like Tucker, the event you went to, you didn't feel like you had that sense of community or it didn't feel like a safe place for you or where you felt like it could be accepted. And so, you know, what are we, it's, so it needs to be so much more than just, we're going to raise a million dollars tonight and, and then call it a day. It's that night, how, you know, the collaboration before, during, and then especially after, and that stewardship that, that really needs to be a huge key instead of, again, when, and again, I'm a nonprofit professional and, um, it's always, let's raise the most money. You could have the best event. If you don't make the budget, um, you know, it doesn't matter, but it's, it's gotta be much bigger picture than that. It's, I think it's raise that, meet that goal and all the other things, um, that really need to be put in place. And the, the prevailing mindset is if we don't hit the financial measures, then heads will roll. Mm-hmm. If our event doesn't raise the money and surpass last year's fundraising, which is set on some arbitrary number that we think just sounded attractive because it was 10% or 20% more than last year's, like that mindset overshadows the opportunity to view events as a platform for nurturing relationships and caring about people and impact. And so we believe that there's a big opportunity in the, and to your question, your initial question, Tucker, is how many organizations are doing it right? I don't know what that number is, but I would say that there's a major opportunity for people to lean into this stuff and realize like, as a nonprofit leader, you need to give yourself a little bit of grace and maybe zoom out. It's so hard to see the forest through the trees. And like when you're in the fire, you're walking through it, you're drinking from a fire hose. Like just pause for a moment as you're listening to this conversation and the podcast, put your hand over your heart. Just like feel your heartbeat, feel yourself breathing. And like, just pause for a moment and realize the only thing that matters is that to get a little philosophical is you're alive in this moment and you can instill and will make a difference and you are making a difference every single day of your life. And the world is better because you're in it. And so I just always like to look at what are the little things we can do on a daily basis to really pour into our internal deposits, our internal bank account, Um, Because the more we pour into our internal bank account, the more we can pour into the external bank accounts that we all want to put more deposits Mm -hmm. into. Mm -hmm. But you got to care about you first. And if you care about you, you can more effectively, more compassionately care about others. And then that kind of brings us back to, are we having a fundraiser or a friend raiser? The fundraiser, the goal is, you know, we've got maybe 100, 200, 300 people that know about us that have capacity and propensity to give. A friend raiser is, hey, I've poured into myself. I love myself. I stand strong in what I'm doing. I have confidence and courage to know that I'm making a difference. And now I'm going to use this as a platform to tell more people about the awesome work that we're doing and enroll them in our mission. And maybe we're not measuring a friend raiser objectively just based on how much money we raise or don't raise. Maybe it's how many how many new hearts are in the seats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You hit on a, quite a few different things and you're hitting on uh, the prevailing mindset of if we don't raise this money, heads are going to roll. 
you also hit on board earlier a little bit too. And I wanted to hit on that too, because let, let, let me go to board first. And then I want to hit on this. What are the underlying conditions that are actually perpetuating a really problematic cycle? Um, like scarcity, basically, right? Heads are going to roll, which is a, a sense of scarcity. There's not enough. I'm not enough. We're not, we're not going to get enough. There isn't enough. And what that does. But on the board side, you said something around board's expectations are unrealistic, which I completely see that all the time. And on, on both sides, one, board's not giving, you know, coming up with all these ideas. And because they're in a position of authority in the organization, many times I've noticed that boards don't give, um, they don't appreciate the fact that when they bring ideas, people view those as if they need to actually get them done because they're, they're coming from a position of authority. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean, I've been on boards before and I'm like, yeah, I've got an idea. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, didn't, I didn't expect it to like, that's the thing we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely a thing I've been noticing of boards either being f- too flippant with their ideas as if, and, and now, and not realizing how the nonprofit leaders are actually receiving those ideas or being on the opposite side, which is actually letter of the law too stringent mm. and not, not allowing for learning in the process. Mm -hmm. And because when you were saying boards expectations are unrealistic, many times I'm noticing too, boards are not giving a space for the nonprofit leaders to say no. Right. To say what, you know, what does it take? This is one of Sarah or who's typically my co-host on here with me. This is one of Sarah's, you know, she speaks to our no's give power to our most important yeses. And one of the most important questions we can ask is, is what does it take? before we actually choose to move forward on it. It's uh, it's a discerning question to understand before we decide. And boards don't give the opportunity to really get into the understanding of what this stuff takes. And Megan, this stuff is, a this is a lot of work. This is it a is. lot of work. <laughs> well, and it's also remembering we, we may not have the same resources as a Fortune 500 company. You know, we might have a national office if we're lucky, especially for some of our smaller guys. So It's here's these ideas, but how are we as a board and a team going to help you get there? And also, again, back on, you know, event night and and how are we going to build, how are we going to build these committees? How are we going to get the right people in the seat? How are we going to do fund the mission? Um, You know, it's, I I always say you could put me in front of anyone, but unless I have that warm lead and someone from the board and that backing, that ask is not going to be as strong. So, you know, it's, we, we need our boards to show up and get the right, I, I'll, I'll say it, but the right butts in the seat um, to help make those connectors. A, l- a lot less event planning. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't need someone to be working on centerpieces. Um, oh, you're, if, you know, I'll we, do the Tucker snaps. <laughs> it's, and so I think it's also setting the setting those expectations and the job descriptions right when you onboard. I think it's, I, I, I you know, you can be really busy with fundraising, but one of the most hardest positions as a nonprofit professional is getting the right people in the seat in the board or committee um, and managing them correctly and making sure everybody's happy because it's, you're going to have so many different personalities in the room. Um, so it's been, that's the, the back to number one is making sure you have the right people um, mm-hmm. because in, in being able to say no and being in a safe place too, isn't because I mean, especially with no matter how large an organization you are, there's still needs and it's, it's hard. So yeah. you have to, um, really set those boundaries and stick up to them and be really consistent from person to person because yeah. 
you know, board member sponsors, everyone talks. If you're not consistent and then it's going to, it's going to get out pretty quickly too. And then you really lose that trust as well from, from that, those important stakeholders as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking of EDs, you know, if you're in a situation where, uh, you have board members who are bringing ideas or wanting to continue that gala. Um, I mean, literally, so let me bring this experience that I had earlier today about this golf tournament. Mm -hmm. And what happened was, is we, we've been doing this, these workshops with this organization around being a learning organization. And after this big workshop we did in New York two weeks ago, the, the woman, her name is Mary, I believe Mary came in and was like, I don't think we ought to do this golf tournament anymore. And they've been doing this for a long time, but she had so much trepidation prior to, um, mainly because of, I think previous, uh, leadership, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. came from uh, on high and this new CEO who has been there about a year now is very much about like, help us to learn how to learn together. And, and so based on our workshop and what we were doing with them, he just told me earlier today that she came in and was like, I don't think we can, we should be doing this because it doesn't fit in some of these frames that we'd been talking about. And, but I was nervous to tell you before, but now I realize that you actually aren't going to get angry about it. You know, like mm -hmm. you actually want us to really hone and, and say no to things so that we can say our most important yeses. And, and I think that I'm thinking about an ED or an events planner or, or, or somebody within a nonprofit, you know, what are the ways that they can bring this forward to their organizations, to their boards and reflective questions like, hey, before we make a decision on whether or not we want to move forward on this, could is it would you would it be okay if we all sort of got a little more granular with what is it, what might this take for us to actually mm -hmm. accomplish what it is that we feel like we want to accomplish? That way we have a little clearer understanding. Is everybody okay with that? Like you're like enrolling them into a reflective question. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't get yourself set up into an awkward position where like I'm getting this somebody telling me to do something, I already know I don't want to do it from the moment they said it. And, but now I can't say no. And now I'm mm -hmm. angry that I'm doing it. But then, but then that feeds into the experience as well. Like it's just this bad downward spiral of reactivity across the whole thing. Yeah. And I think, and you mentioned this new normal and we're here, right? It's totally fine to go through and have an event assessment and what's working, what's not. Yeah. Joey and I talk about this all the time. Events are not dead bad events are the time of <laughs> the same chicken dinner in the same walk that's been going on for 20 years with no new nothing new to it and this, it, our sponsors our stakeholders want something different our volunteers want something different um and we have to stay up on trends with what millennials and and gen z want too um and so and i've i mean i'll just go out and say it i think it's endurance events i'm really excited for what's happening with endurance events and hmm. and the fundraising dollars that are coming in through with that um and the way, different ways that we can engage with those um but again i don't events aren't dead and again there i've been having a huge push and pull of events are dead and go straight to major gifts and it's not that we it's bad events are dead. And how do we reassess our event portfolio, being able to stick up to your board just because the same gala that honors the same person year over year is done. It's we've got we've got to stick up for ourselves. And because it, it and another thing is, it burns out our staff. <laughs> it, 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 there are resources and dollars that go towards it. So again, how do we if we're going to spend these expenses, how are we gonna get the most bang for our buck, right? And meet our donors and and really have a new uh, pool of donors come in. 
Um, and how can we do that? So is it maybe taking away one event so that you can focus more on another? Thinking about your sponsors, are they being pushed, you know, in an area like like St. Louis, um, you know, there's only so many large organizations that give and that may fall into, into your philanthropic objectives. If you have five events, it, you're only going to have so much sponsorship to go around eventually. So mm-hmm. it's, it's you have to think about your market, too, um, and what your market wants. And, I, you know, I always say St. Louis is more of a of a walk city and like can versus Kansas city. I, I saw our, our galas do a lot better. Um, so it's, what does your market want to, and it can vary. And just because you have, I mean, in some national organizations is here's your event portfolio. These are your campaigns you have to execute. And so I understand that too. Um, but, um, I, I think now is the time to really sit down and reassess your event portfolio and, and, where you have opportunities of growth and to put that time resources and treasure into them to really grow that. it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and Megan, you're hitting on this, that second topic that Joey, you brought forward around heads are going to roll and this mm-hmm. scarcity. Yeah. And it's like it, one of the most important ways to create a great event is by, is by making sure that that's actually the event you want to do. Right. Megan, you're saying yeah. like, let's assess with honesty and truth that we don't need to just perform all the time and just keep keep just perpetuating the same old cycle of burnout mm-hmm. but have a how do we have an honest conversation and really understand what it is by the way if y'all have any event assessment guides we'd love to put those in the show notes or something like that for okay. people to be able yeah so if you have that do you have that I well, I could probably draft some of I've, I've done oh, there we go. assessments in my time but um but yeah something that we can definitely collaborate on for sure yeah. Or call us and yeah. we'll come to your event and do um, an event debrief. Or audio <laughs> there you go. After. Utopia will do an event assessment. But the the point being here around scarcity mm-hmm. is that it perpetuates in all these different places, right? With the board person telling you, this is, you know, hey, these are the ideas that we want to do. Them are people, nonprofit leaders already feeling like we're already strapped. Now we're adding more or we're strapped. Why are we still doing this? Because they're not connected into the why of it. Mm-hmm. And that just perpetuates the scarcity. And so the way to get part of the way to get out of that is some of what you're hitting on. Because if what I know, and I'm curious what you've experienced as well, both of you, is what happens come the event when we're in that scarcity mode? Mm. What happens? Like what is the what is the tenor of the experience? What is the feeling uh, from us and from people if when you've noticed EDs and board members, coming into an event with scarcity? What does that look like, feel like, and sound like? Tune out, shut down, turn off. You're in a place of, um, so just to kind of use the neuroscience framework, Tucker, yeah. you're, you're in the amygdala. You're in the fight or flight. And it's really hard. I, this is where I think like events are a microcosm for life as a whole. And what you share, by the way, the work that you're doing, Tucker, and your audience, I know that you know they're, they've become huge fans of you. The, the, the importance of this work cannot be overstated. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's all, it's all about you know, the, the, 
the coming from the lens of connection and community and creating the space for reflective questions for us to to open up and to share experiences so the heart's open so the mind's open so we tap into the prefrontal and the neocortex and get out of the lizard brain or the monkey brain that causes us to focus on scarcity and differences opposed to how we all connect and how we're all so interconnected and related and again i think that if we could view life uh, events as a microcosm for life um, events could be the most beautiful and enriching opportunity for all of us to build larger, more connected, more impactful, uh, more resourceful ecosystems. So that was a lar a long way of just sharing that. I think that there's, you know, coming from the scarcity mindset, um, maybe those, those are some of these events that we've, we've discussed those events yeah. that aren't as successful yeah as we're coming out of scarcity well, well people want to be a part of something that's winning right and so if a board executive director and their development team are going in and like well you know we only raised eight hundred thousand dollars and we have a goal of a million no we've raised a lot of money still <laughs> right yeah. and i mean who so you know i think and, and then that tra that energy transfers on to, you know, ungratefulness to maybe the people that did raise all that money. And so, um, so yeah, people want to be a part of something that's winning. And so I think it's just so important. That's just something I've been really zoning in on is setting realistic goals. It doesn't like 20% year over year right now. Is that really attainable in the middle? Like mm -hmm. when, you know, we well, are looking at trends major, in companies, right? Giving is going down actually yeah. too. Philanthropy is in a, it is interesting spot. It was the first time in 40 years based upon a friend of mine who was deep in this world. I was like, Ooh, that's a very interesting stat of understanding that major donor giving is going down for mm -hmm. the first time. Yeah. Really. It's, it's going to be interesting to see in the next five years, just again, those trends too. And, um, you know, the biggest threat right now, I think to any nonprofit is just turnover. Um, mm -hmm you know, the, we can't build relationships with our donors and get to where we need to be. If every year there's a new person in the seat every three years, you know, there's a new executive director. Yeah. It, it's, we've got to be able to build better relationships. And that means taking care of the people in our organizations, yeah. um, setting realistic goals. Um, and again, that, that's why I keep bringing up an event assessment or really assessing. And that now that we're in this, we're past the pandemic now, knocking on wood. Um, and yeah. then, and you know, we are dealing with some economic things right now too. And so what, what works, what are we not going to have burnout for? What, you know, how are we not going to have that turnover is, is really important. And so yeah. zoning in on that, those best events and how we can find those resources. And that's why, again, I'm just really excited to be part of Utopia because we want our, our clients to be out fundraising. We want them to be building those relationships, strategizing, and then we can take that hat of how can we make this event different and creative and um, really make it something different um, year over year. And so again, instead of another chicken dinner or another walk <laughs> that's been going on for 10 years, yeah. let us do that and take that yeah. off of your off of you so that you can just raise more money. And then when they come there, we can help even more from there. So, Well, I'd love to hop into, you. we've already been speaking to what is the next normal of, yeah. of, of impact-driven leadership around storytelling and events. And we've already hit on some of that. A lot of that has to do with pre-event and not setting yourself up for failure altogether, right? Boards being honorable to 
or being being honest with and an opening up space for honesty that allows for the ED and the and the nonprofit team to be able to share no's or can we explore and assess really what are we really trying to do here? Why is this important for us to do this? And what does it take for us to do this? And then make a decision from there. Um, and getting out of that scarcity and Joe, you're hitting on that conscious leadership work, which, uh, you know, from my own personal lived experience, um, even specifically even around revenue, I think I've shared some on this podcast before around some healing I had around my own belief around revenue itself. Like my belief with money actually created my own isolation and it was a problem. And I think that was on a previous podcast somewhere, but, but that being said, I want to get into the event itself. Like, so we've, let's say we've created the space, right? We've assessed our events. We've uh, paused notice and chosen less reactivity, fight, flight, or freeze. We're now in a more state of creativity, which is the space for um, positive leadership. I mean, it's based upon leadership circle data. So, and then we're, now we're at the event and we've prepped for the event. What is the next normal now for the event itself? Like what, what do we need to start thinking about? And Megan, you already started to hit on this, but I wanted to dive into it specifically. Like, what do we need to be doing for these types of events? If anything, maybe it's make them a lot smaller. I don't know. I'm curious. Like it's an open-ended question around what's the next normal look like here. So what we believe is that organizations have done such a great job of connecting people to their mission. The biggest opportunity exists when we take it one step further and provide the space to connect them with each other. And so this is kind of grounded in the 3C approach. We all have our different interpretations of the 3Cs. I've heard your 3Cs. I think they're amazing. We've just basically taken that and kind of taken that secret sauce of the three C's and made it our own, if you will, but not to, not to regurgitate, but, um, I think they're so important that they, you know, we can, we can hit on them again. And it's, you know, people come for the, the first C, which is content. They want you to teach them something. Then there's connection where they're connecting with each other, maybe connecting with the mission. Ultimately why people come back is the community. How are we connecting them with each other? That's what ultimately creates psychological safety in large environments. And so you think about, if I'm one of 500 people, I myself attended a gala by myself. My wife and I have a 13-month-old. It's not as easy for us to just you know, <laughs> up and leave Sage now. On a Saturday night, we, we couldn't get a babysitter, <clears throat> but there was a client event that I really wanted to attend. And I walked into the space, and I was by myself in a new environment, and I knew no one. And so from that lens, I leaned in, and I was like, what can I learn from this experience? Feeling isolated, feeling like I'm not a part of the community. Um, and really brought that back to our organization uh, to unpack that as a case study and an an event auditor debrief to think about how do we create the conditions where people feel seen and felt and safe and heard within the first two minutes Mm. that they arrive at any of our event experiences. And that could be something as simple as a red carpet greeting at the entrance where we have someone that they recognize greeting them, standing on the red carpet, asking them questions like, hey, Megan, why are you here today? You know, tell us why you decided to come. What do you, you know, how long have you been around? How long have you been a donor? Here's your partner. Oh my God, introduce your partner. Just that little space. And, and by the way, the questions that we ask on the red carpet, like we recently did this with a private school and we were asking questions guided by the information that they wanted to know about their donors. So we asked how many, you know, tell us how, how old your kids are. 
how many kids do you have in your family? Maybe these are new families and they don't have all of that information. And because we were recording all of that footage from the red carpet, we turned that over to the organization after the event and the, the admissions director had information wow. to go out and start to enroll new families based on the information we gathered from that red carpet. So not only was it data and information for the executive director and the admissions team, but it was an incredible and exceptional arrival experience for these guests where as soon as they stepped into the space, they were embraced. So that's what we think the biggest opportunity is, not just connecting people to the mission, but connecting them with each other and doing that throughout, peppering that, those opportunities throughout the entire course of the mm. event. I think that's so brilliant. I was thinking about this event that I went to that I had a lot of disdain for. And mm. just the entrance was what's your name and something ultimately to getting to them having my credit card on file. So like from the beginning, it felt transactional. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like right away. There was no like, yeah, I mean, I mean, they were nice, but it wasn't like, I did not feel at all connected. And so, and I did feel kind of isolated and I, there was somebody I had come with that had invited me, but I still was like, oh, I'm not, and, and I'm in this world, right? This is the world I exist in so much of the time with nonprofits. And, and I was like, oh, and it, just, it yeah, it didn't feel connective at all. So I, I really love that tactic and that specificity, Joey, that you're hitting on around how do we think about this from a lens of connection for people that from the moment they walk in within the first two minutes and what a great design question, how might we create an exceptional arrival experience within the first two minutes that everybody feels connected and less alone, right? What a brilliant question. Uh, that question was one question that you brought to the mastermind that you facilitated <laughs> was it? With your clients <laughs> last year. <laughs> no way. That's funny. I had no idea. <laughs> Matter of fact, I can I can pull up the Thrivers Workshop booklet that uh, we co collaborated on, and that yeah. question is in there. And it's a brilliant question, man. Brilliant question. Oh, that's funny. I had no idea. That's so funny. <laughs> I do so many workshops that I don't remember half of them now at this point. But yeah. But but it it's it's a point in that you know this this work matters so much to you that it's so ingrained in the core of who you are that you didn't even know when you weren't referencing something from the past. It's just so authentic that it just exists in, in your, in the core of, you know, your being and who you, and anyway, you didn't even realize you were referencing that, that workshop where we had, you know, 30, 40 nonprofit leaders with us. <laughs> I know great. you changed their perspective um, just from you being a part of that experience and facilitating. That's great. That was great. That was a fun experience for sure. Uh, what else, what else is uh, next normal? I love, and by the way, Joey, I appreciate your specificity yeah. around like, because the, the more, the more how we can get to, mm. the more that we are able to, that anybody's able to understand, like when you just talked about that red carpet, like I felt like I could see it. I could feel it. I, I felt like that's something that we could do. Or So I love that level of specificity around understanding both the why all from connection all the way through to the tactic right there on the red carpet, getting footage of it. That gave data back to the nonprofit. That created connection, right? Like I love that through line all the way through, Joey, and I see it. I'm curious, what else? What else is there around this next normal? Well, and I think technology, right? I, again, nonprofits—they're they—they don't—they're limit—they're limited on resources. So, 
leaving it up to the subject matter experts and those that are in events to really leverage and, and to give the best advice for what type of technology, videography, so that, that we can storytell, having a videographer and the right photographer there that evening, um, you know, audio visual and, and different type of, and you guys can talk a little bit more on that, that yeah. of some, some things that have been done recently that really draw that in to make this event different and unique then again, just another, I keep saying chicken, I may have said it three times now, but that's where this event, these events will be different. It's really zoning in on the technology and that maybe like some examples that you have, Joey, from like we have Florida coming up. That's, yeah. that's going to be an exciting event too. To get, to get into those nitty gritties and the specifics, Tucker, um, <clears throat> there's an event where, and, and by the way, there's a, there's an organization that I know that you might be speaking at in Colorado in 2024. <clears throat> that I had the, pr the pleasure oh, yeah. and the privilege to speak at in 2023. And after I spoke at that event, there was an event organizer who raised her hand. She's an executive director and she stands up conferences all over the country. And she said, you just took my understanding of audio visual from one dimensional to 12 dimensional. That, or, that lady, Lori, who I love dearly now has become a personal friend and a client of ours at Utopia. She just met us that day. I hope that what we're talking about today helps your audience um, have a similar experience. And so maybe I could do so with this next example. And it's what we're doing for an organization down in Florida. And it's a hospital foundation. And so we're taking them through basically four different pre-recorded stories in a space. And those different stories are um, uh, really sort of different milestones and accomplishments along the patient's journey. So the first one is they their, their child just gets diagnosed. There's uncertainty, there's anxiety, what happens next? The second one is, um, and I don't have to go through all the whole framework, sure. but just think there's there's four different uh, pre-recorded video stations and they're touring them similar to like what you do at the art museum for like Van Gogh, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so we're breaking people up within the first five minutes that they arrive at this event and we're breaking them up in small groups of 20 to 30 people and it's all color coordinated so we're calling them by colors and then we have tour guides or ambassadors who are experts on the hospital foundation that are leading these different groups into guided tours of these four different video stories Wow! and there'll be photo ops along the way there'll be different like sort of brand activations along the way like for instance um, this particular hospital foundation is saving limbs of children. And so a starfish, this was, uh, Brian, and you were a part of this conversation too, is really interesting. So a starfish is like their, their animal, um, uh, what's the, what's the word? Mascot. Their mascot. Thank you. Spirit animal. And it's because a starfish is the only, f or, um, uh, animal that can regrow its limbs. Hmm. And so after we tell them that, you know, one of the stories, there's going to be a starfish tree that, you know, donors are at, there's a, there's a personal, you know, a recorded message with what I just shared about the starfish and, um, a starfish tree that we're building out and little starfish, uh, keepsakes that donors are going to grab from the tree and, uh, and take with them that all have engraved messages from some of the different patient families. Hmm. And so they're immediately getting immersed into this experience where there's 
shared experience with all of their different peers that they've just now met who were strangers five minutes ago, and now they've become best friends. They're going to laugh together. They're going to cry together. Um, and then we, the, the, the whole story kind of culminates, um, you know, on this, this pier overlooking the intercoastal, uh, for their cocktail hour. So I don't know if there were any elements that I missed that, uh, that you want well, to touch on? I think it's using or... technology to walk through the different and give those warm and fuzzy feelings throughout so mm. that, you know, it's, and I, and I understand that at some events it, it is hard to get to every single person in the room. There's only so many of us and so many people in the room. So I think using these vignettes is really a strategic approach to use technology to our advantage to yeah. get those warm and fuzzy feelings. So again, you go through that whole feel. And then after that, then you're overlooking, you know, the ocean and you're able to network and, and have that feeling of gratitude and, and, and all the, all the warm and fuzzies that that's what we want at events is, is what for people to feel empowered and excited and renewed and want to make a difference. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited about these vignettes. And, and again, the starfish is such a great um, tie in. Tell well. me about, uh, I, I love that. Like it, what I hear and what you're sharing is this as quick as possible, connecting people into the mission, right? It's mm-hmm. not some person getting up and giving a long speech. It's, it's connecting them into story right off the bat using visual means. And it sounds like using those four different vignettes ahead of time or getting those done ahead of time helped to create uh, an efficiency almost right to where, um, you know, you're able to have group people in different groups going around with experts, almost like a tour guy. I love that. I can visualize them kind of going through that and experiencing that. Um, I'm curious about one thing which gets into, uh, let me just call it the ask. I don't, you know, th- this last event I went to, it was auctiony for sure. Right. You had the, had the paddle and the and the things and i hated it first of yeah. all but you well, know that's me that some people love it they're good yeah. you know i don't uh it feels like a bunch of guilt and you know and and then they're like well you got a free dinner tonight so you know i mean yeah. i was just like y'all uh oof, like that I, I i don't know what it is about my radar on that stuff but it is very high yeah around leveraging guilt and i get it um that that can translate, but it feels so inauthentic mm-hmm. and not mission driven and impact driven for the person. Um, and so I'm curious from your perspective, you, you have them go through the tour guide, you, you know, have them go out in this networking event out on the ocean. What is the ask for the next normal? What is the, and maybe there isn't one. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's something completely different, but what is, if this is a fundraiser, which we do, that is one of the metrics, not the only metric. And Joe, you were hitting on this earlier. But if that's our only metric, then we're missing the whole point. Yeah. Yet at the same time, we do need to hold that true in that the goal of this is that it took resources for us to do it. We want to have a return on our investment and a return on our impact for that matter. How does that come about in this type of a next normal space from your perspective? Mm-hmm. And if I may, I think after having such a unique experience, it's helping us spread awareness. Help us help us spread awareness of our mission. Next time that you're out and about and, and sitting down for dinner, 
bring your friends into this. What invite other people into the mission? I think that that's the ask because we are again, we are only you know our our group and our in our our sphere of influence. And so, um, I mean, once again, you make your donation, then what? Yeah. Um, I think it's that you know how to get involved, how to how to say you know put on post on your social media about the great experience you just had or you just met Susie and gosh, she's been through so much and I can't stop thinking about this two weeks later still. Um, you know, I think that that's, I mean, again, that's, that's really some of those follow-ups and that's where it's so important to, after the event, um, it's, you know, the events part's great, but what are you doing after? What are you doing on Monday, um, to get in front of those people, um, so that you, while they're hot and activated and still have the, the warm and fuzzies from that, that evening, um, asking them to be, get involved asking them how they want to get involved. I think that's the thing too. Everyone's different. Everyone has different bandwidths. I'm a mom, Joey's a dad, you know, like <laughs> what can you get? Like what, what does your bandwidth have right now? And, and, and if it's a no right now, you know, how can we continue, you know, this relationship or what, what capacity do you want to be engaged at? I think, you know, our, our millennial age group, we have a different filter for things like that. Again, the auctioneer kind of turn some of us off. There's certain things that, you know, give us the icks, I'll, I'll call it a nick, um, <laughs> and that give us the excitement. And I think it, for me, it's, I'll be honest, it's making a difference being part of a community. So um, I don't know. That's what I was, that's my two cents on that one. Well, and and you were hitting on some things that you can do after, which I think is such mm -hmm. an important piece. I'm also curious about how do you make it easy for people to donate right there in the room? And how do you create the space? <laughs> That's something that, I was wanting to... Right? How do you create the space that allows them to to create joy in their life by being able to give because they feel the reciprocity, right? That, that this is a cycle of giving and receiving, as our dear mentor, Joey, Dr. Danny, used to say, when we're in spaces of creativity, we're in cycles of giving and receiving with one another. Mm. And part of that is what are they receiving, which you're kind of hitting on that. They're receiving connection, you know, greater impact, uh, a potential to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And how do they also give in a way literally with money and the, but then also other ways kind of Megan, where you're hitting. Mm -hmm. And what is, what is next normal for the like literal money transacting? Well, for the love of God, can we please make giving and making these transactions easy for our donors? <laughs> I think that that's, that's huge. I mean, you know, if there's an online fundraising page, have QR codes ready to go um, the night of text to give, you know, again, like so that our donors and people, once they're captivated in the room, do they know what they're supposed to do next? This is maybe some people's first time there. Um, so, you know, before, during the event, after the, that text to give can be a really, really great resource. Um, also PayPal, Venmo, you know, it's, I, I know that not every organization has it, but we, it, you need it. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very important to have that. And again, if someone has money, make it easy for them to give to us. And then, um, also alternative currencies too, you know, and it may, this may not be the night of, but do they have stock mileage points, crypto, um, making sure that you have a team on hand again. So you just had this event, there's a warm and fuzzies and there's so many different types of currencies now make it easy for people to give your money and get it while they're activated and excited to do so. Um, and then last but not least, this is a no brainer, but mobile bidding, if you have a live, a silent auction, of course is will only help. Joey, what are your, what's your two cents on that? I, I pair it back a little bit and I come back to the philosophy and it's how we open up this conversation. It's one of the first things I mentioned. 
And it's that in 2017, I attended that event, the Hal's event that John Berghoff facilitated. Yeah. And first they played a fun to need video with this little girl who was battling for her life. Then they asked us to personally write letters of endearment and love and joy and connection, sharing words of inspiration with her and her family during through this very difficult time. Then they asked, can we make her wish come true? Oh, and a group of a hundred of us said, are you effing kidding me? There's no <laughs> way she's not going. And so I, I come back to what we're doing at this, with this organization in Florida, how they're going to go through that thing. And then the first 10 minutes they walk into the venue, they're going to say, what is this organization? Why am I here? My friend invited me. I don't know what, blah, blah, blah. After they go through that last vignette and the four short stories, the four short 90 second stories, they're going to be laughing. They're going to be crying. They're going to say, oh my God, that's why I'm here. This matters. So it's getting them out of the amygdala, opening up that space for social and emotional connection, ultimately landing them in the prefrontal cortex. They're in this space of giving and receiving. Then we go into that fun to need moment. And just before we do that, we hand them a personalized handwritten card from a patient, a little kid who had a life-giving surgery because of the, uh, the donations. And those are obviously made passable by all of the individuals that are in the room that night. So we're handing out personalized handwritten letters to all of the donors in the space. Then we're making the ask. Then we need to make it easy. And so... Um, I just come back to the whole, the philosophy and the psychology, Tucker, of making sure that people understand where the money's going and why it matters. Um, and then we invite them into the space of giving. I love that sequence that you were taking us through there. Like, um, what a fascinating uh, concept or idea of you see that video and then you ask people to write a letter to them what a fascinating, and I don't want to call it tactic to dehumanize it, but like what a fascinating way to help people connect. Like, what would you write to them? Take a moment right now. And literally, this is a girl that we know. Take a moment to write to them. Like I'm even thinking about this with Thrive Impact. Like we have we have a nonprofit, a, a nonprofit arm of our work. We receive donations. I was like, what if we were able to help support uh, more small community-based nonprofits, which we've been doing with our donations to subsidize small community-based mm -hmm. nonprofits who need this level of, of work. Mm. And, and well, I'm, I'm like, wow, what if people were able to write a letter to Lisa or to Amy or to, to Kirsten, who I just talked to, who, to, you know, to Simeon, to these different nonprofit leaders, like, Hey, got your back. I'm in support, you know, hope you're doing well whatever it is, and then just started to take them down that path of connection into what this is. Can I add one more thing just to take it one step further? Yeah. Even what about what's the, so we talked about the, the connection piece and the, the thank you letters and how to create, how to make that space of empathy come alive in your event setting. And even beyond that, you know, Tucker, with what you're doing, um, you know, can, can that also happen outside of the event? And I would say yes. And it absolutely should be that the end of the event is the beginning of the relationship. And so one of the things we just recently did is we'll do in-event surveys where people scan them, uh, scan a QR code on the screens, and we'll ask them how they like to be thanked. 
And so oh, imagine, imagine that the technology in the space is serving you in this capacity. And so you as a director of development has have, we're going to turn all this stuff over to you on Monday morning so you can start to call these people and follow up with them intentionally and know their communication preferences and how they like to be thanked. Now imagine, imagine you're a donor at this event we just described, or Tucker, perhaps you place yourself at the event that sucked that you attended, a, a, you know, <laughs> we were using as a case study. What if you wrote that letter? And what if your way to be thanked was words of affirmation? And so three days after the event, the person you wrote a letter to sent you a video of them reading your letter and said, hey, Tucker, you wrote me a letter at the gala. And I just want you to know that this was incredible. Maybe maybe there's a little kid. And so it's the family reading the letter. But imagine that family receiving your letter, embracing mm. your words, taking their iPhone and saying, Hey, Tucker, Mr. Donor, you made this dream, this wish come true for us. We just want to tell you how much we love you. Boom, send, and it goes to the donor. That yeah. donor wants words of affirmation, and they just got it, not from you, the executive director, but from the recipients who are ultimately getting those donation, the, the benefits of your organization. Wow. So we can make all of those things happen, but we need to be using our events as a platform, not just to have transactional AV and looking at it as a cost, but looking coming at it from this lens, how can that audiovisual serve us in a capacity that helps us gather the most important and pertinent information on our donors and new prospective donors, then it becomes an investment and there's ROI there. That's great. I love that. I love you. Oh man. <laughs> I want to do events with you. This sounds so, this sounds so like so much fun, Joey. <laughs> like, and it, it hits to what all of us want, which is connection, right? We want relationship. We transaction is scarcity relationship is is abundance really it's it's being in a space of joy i mean i it's been a lot of my own healing over this last year as i mentioned a little bit earlier of the more that i can pause and notice that i'm in scarcity i can get out of that and into relationship and and i have so much more joy there as a as a ceo of an organization right mm -hmm. so much more joy there and also knowing that not everybody's going to to you know be a relationship with Thrive Impact too, right? That's been another yeah. thing is letting, like, I'm not going to get everybody, nor does everybody want to get me, right? And that's okay. Our medicine's not for everybody. And that's okay. And that's been a really freeing concept for me. And so, Joey, I'm hearing you taking some of the thing, the lived experience I've had, not in events, but in this space of conscious leadership and my own healing, translating into the event space that helps to create a space of abundance and relationship which is ultimately what we all want anyway, based upon the neuroscience, right? We want to be yeah. in spaces of belonging more than anything. That's what our brains are wired for. And then we want to get into spaces of significance. And so when we're in that space of belonging first and we continue to cultivate belonging, 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 and then create simple ways of significance, AKA giving as an example. And it, it, it's a natural segue into it from, from that belonging. I love it. Well, I do want to, I do want to wrap. Yeah. Um, we're at, this has been a great conversation. We're not on this yeah. all day. I know. Uh, if Tucker's going to wrap, can I at least lay a beat down for you first? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dude, I literally was doing, uh, I did this <laughs> down in Colorado Springs. I, um, we're doing some work with the mayor actually down there and he was doing like a Christmas carols thing at a place that he owns down there called the wild goose. And, and I ended up doing beatboxing, like <laughs> just <laughs> impromptu Christmas girl. It was so fun. That's amazing. Anyway, 
Hey, real quick to wrap. Uh, would love to ask you guys, uh, both of you. I'm a nonprofit leader. Maybe I'm a small nonprofit leader. And when I was hearing what you were saying, all I was seeing was dollar signs. And that's a little intimidating to me around all these vignettes and stories, which mm -hmm. I think there is absolutely an ROI to that. Mm -hmm. But let's say I'm a small community-based nonprofit or just a, you know, a, a bigger nonprofit either way. What are some practical steps that I can take to get myself into a better space of non-scarcity, of more abundance, I guess, if you will, or possibility? Mm -hmm. um, and, and to take some small steps to be able to start start by starting and move, move forward around our events that I know we need to change. Mm -hmm. What would you give advice? What would you say to them? I think first is just asking for help, uh, coming to the awareness of asking your donors for help, asking them what they want. Um, and then, like you said, I, I know when we're talking about vignettes and all these big things, it, there's a dollar sign behind that, of course. Right. And oh. so again, just if you have those ideas, put them all on just write them all down. A wish list. Yeah, a wish list. Like there, you could build, I mean, budgets are typically made in the spring for, you know, the following fiscal year. And so, you know, I, I, I know how it is. Budgets are hard. We want to keep our expenses as low as we can. Um, we want to have as much money go to the mission. How can, again, make your wish list, put it out there, you know, and, and talk to an event professional, talk and try to figure out how you can make what you may think is impossible possible, because I think it truly is a lot more attainable to at least do something new with your event, brainstorm, or yeah. there's, there, it's attainable. It truly is. You just have to put the numbers down and, and think about it and get advice and be open-minded to it as well. Yeah. I appreciate that of um, the concept of who, not how, like, I don't need to figure this out. If this is not my strength, if this yeah. is not my genius, if this is a a energy drain for me, then that's a bad place to start from. So who, yeah. who are people that minimum can help reframe my thinking, which you all have been doing this podcast, which is great, but who might right. I connect with to help reframe my thinking and even help me potentially in the work itself. Certainly. Just to, to piggyback on that, there's a, I knew exactly where you were going. Yeah. Brian, Brian's got a white sheet of paper back here. He's holding up corporate sponsorships. And I'm like, yes, that is absolutely <laughs> it. So like we have, we have an organization um, that we're producing an event for on the West coast. And they said, prove to us that you are the most unique and creative event company and we'll work with you. And so we came up with this, this pitch for a sponsor to podcast at their event. So this setup you see here, we're bringing to their event, a sponsor paid 20 grand to be in the room because they wanna interview the people in the room with their podcast. So we underwrote ourselves through a sponsorship. So don't think that working with a company <laughs> like us is unattainable. That's Call awesome. us, give us the same challenge that this organization gave us. Let us help you underwrite this so we can help you grow. That's great. We'll fit. I mean, and, and think about blue ocean, like the red sharks. I think of like the, are you familiar with that book? Blue ocean strategy? Uh, I've heard of it. I have not read it though. So like everyone's swimming in the water of the fortune 500 companies. There are 500. I know this because I looked it up because I was curious. There are 583,000 small businesses in Missouri. Missouri is a smaller community. I mean, there's a yeah. million people, I think in St. Louis city count or County proper. Yeah. How many small businesses between the one to $10 million level are in your community? And how many people are knocking on their doors? Probably not as many as those that are knocking on the Fortune 100 and 500 companies. Mm. So think of big blue ocean. 
Don't go where the sharks are swimming in the red murky water for the organizations that are getting pitched hundreds of times a week. Go to the blue ocean, figure out who the small businesses are like Utopia in your community and see how those companies might want to partner because they have budget too. Um, they're just not getting, you know, they're, they're just not that whole revolving door of just getting asked and asked and asked, right? So there's more opportunity there than perhaps you even know exists in your local community. Yeah, that's great. I love, I love thinking outside of the box there of like, what, how might we do this and invite people into, I love that. What a challenge <laughs> specifically give us a, how might we question, how might we actually produce the event we want, but not be able to have to not, you know, we don't have the budget for it right now, but how might we still do it, you know, and, and invite the creativity around that. That's great. Tucker, I would love on a, on a different day for you to lead our team through a five I session because it's brilliant the way you frame Dude. it. Well, let's, let's figure out some fun ways to, to work together. I would love it. I enjoyed that, that event that you talked about, um, that we did last year. I really enjoyed it. Uh, me on zoom and you all in person. That was kind of fun, uh, to be able to do that. It was a blast. Well, and thank well, you. For hey, both of you, I just want yeah. to say thank you for being here. Yes, this was thank fun. You for your wisdom and for your depth of care that you wanted to, that you do bring into your work. And, uh, you know, I, I know I've experienced that already from you, Joey and Megan, I can already tell like this matters to you. Like Thanks. this is important uh, mm -hmm. because our nonprofit leaders need support. And uh, how do we best do that and be in spaces of creativity? So appreciate all the lenses that you brought today. And uh, if uh, you have anything that you'd like to share with us, including an event assessment, I don't know. That may be a really cool idea. Simple checklist, just a V1, whatever, right? Whatever's in your head. It doesn't have to be sure. perfect. Maybe you can do that. We can put it in the show notes and people can access that. Just to start to think differently about how yeah. to do their events so they can set themselves up for, for, for success. That'd exactly. be great. Awesome. Thanks, man. This was fun. Well, thanks, thanks y'all. <laughs> yeah.